0: Hi, so Welcome back to The Apprentice One-to-One Podcast. This is another episode in the series delving into the electrical apprenticeship system and um, what's involved in training and qualifying as an electrician in 2021 now. And I have another uh, fantastic guest on with me today. And his name is Darren. How are you, Darren?
1: Fine. Thank you, Mark. All good. Yeah, how are you?
0: Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. It's nice to chat with you. And thanks so much for coming on again. So if you just want to explain um, a bit about yourself and uh, your background in the industry. So if I want to take you back to to where back in the past, like myself, when you started off and, and what you were doing right at the beginning.
1: Yeah, so uh, my current role is um, a consultant to, to NET, um, which is which is kind of looking after the sort of AM2 provision and AM2S provision across the UK, um, sharing a number of centres. Um across England, Wales, Northern Ireland, and we also provide the net to Scotland as well um, under a different banner. But yeah, so what I do, I quality assure the sort of assessments and look after all new new centre applications as well. So anything that comes in from application on the website, I pick up and then I, I'll see it all the way through from application to actually uh, opening of that particular assessment centre if successful. Um so that's my primarily my main role um, with, with with Net. Uh, it all started back in 19, 1990 Now I think I guess yeah nineteen ninety, where um, I, I I was luckily enough at that time to have gained uh, an electrical apprenticeship with uh, West Morgan Local Authority, uh, which was a really good grounding. In into the industry um, on the range of wiring systems electrical systems and, and so forth public buildings commercial industrial uh, there, there was a massive range which I worked on which was, which was great um, you know successful I think at the time there was probably a few hundred applying for that one post as electrician so I was really lucky at that time um, but, but one of my I've be, been in the industry from the age of 12 uh, so when I was 12 years old I decided to just phone up any local contractors to see if there was any weekend work or school you know, as, as we did in the day sort of any weekend work kind of thing um, and I was lucky enough yeah. you know one of the first guys I run uh, in the L pages at Andrew or AN Electrical uh, decided to come and meet my mum and dad and then he had a good chat and said yeah they give him permission to sort of take me on so when I went for the interview as an apprentice uh, they were quite alarmed that I'd had references from electrical contractors and I was wiring houses and I could wire fuse boards and uh, install lighting circuits So the guys who interviewed me were, were just sort of amazed so and ultimately, that's what got me the job. It wasn't my academic background or my my, my sort of my theoretical sort of th- skills at, at that time. Uh, the learning started when I actually gained my apprenticeship. Uh, had it been that today, chances are I wouldn't be in an apprenticeship because you've got to have them uh, four C's and above or, or, or D's and C's above. I, I, I wouldn't have been in the, in the position I am today had it been now.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting, actually, to see how you you picked up the trade at quite an early age, and now here you are working in nets, doing a, a quite important role, and that's kind of the primary aim of what the Apprentice One-to-One podcast is. It's showing um, electrical apprentices who are training now that you're not kind of defined into one area of the industry. You can go off and do all sorts of exciting and interesting things, and, and that's yeah. exactly what you, you've done. And having that interest from a, a 12-year-old to then press into the, um, being an electrical apprentice, you know, full credit to you, because like you say, you couldn't do it like that now, um, and that's maybe a bit of a shame in a way. Because look where you are. Perhaps we do need yeah. to to look at some of that and supporting learners a bit better from out of yeah, school. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's all it was all about in my in my sort of thing. I was lucky because I could demonstrate them uh, the application and the applying and the skills and I was given that opportunity. But like I think most apprentices these days will play it to become a, a successful apprentice or get on the ladder. Um, they looked at the applications, looked at they see the four uh, less the, the grades and they just put one side. They from from the pond because they they yeah. might be the best doers in, and and practically uh, skilled, but they just put the one side, especially with the entry into college. You know, you put the one side because of that you haven't achieved them grades no you can't come on this training course or this this, this qualification because you, you, you're not qualified you haven't got the d's and c's um but I certainly my learning journey started at that age soon as I I've got that apprenticeship uh, it was due to engagement really with my, my brain I didn't I didn't see school as really important I just wanted to kick kick a football about and and, and do my weekend job and become a footballer or the plan B was uh, to be a paddle beat and sprayer if, if the apprenticeship didn't happen, <laughs> I'd I done a work experience as a panel beater, so I would have gone to do a panel beater, and that was the plan, yeah. But overall, I think oh, well. that experience, Mark, is actually, with a net role, filters all back into it as well, because I can understand it from an apprentice point of view with what I do. I've I've, under, I've done the, completed my AIM2. I've done the level one, or the part one, the part two, the part C, and the, and the raft of qualifications on top of that, the short courses. So I think all this has has helped me in, in fulfilling the role I do today, really.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And, and you referencing your role today and how what you've done in the past has led you towards where you are now. So what is it that um, you actually do within NETS? What is what is the NETS? What, what is it? There's, a, there's electricians who are asking me, actually, what actually is NETS? They, they don't even know what it is. So do you want to just explain what it is that you do, what NETS does? Yes. Yeah, so, so Net
1: actually... Um, provides the the endpoint assessment or license to practice or, or competency test for the electrical industry okay yeah so obviously it it's, is, exactly. it's the gold standard uh, approach which have been it's over 30 year old now um which, which has been around um and it's the standard really which everybody including myself uh, uh will look up to um if you've achieved that am2 uh, standard you are deemed to be that competent level to go out and, and practice a license of practice um, to be able to perform your activities on a day-to-day basis as a professional nutrition successfully.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And and that's really important, actually. So with the effects of COVID that we're all kind of feeling now, I do want to touch on that a little bit, because I guess that's not an easy thing to do for the centres and, and even for yourselves in a way. Have you had an effect from coronavirus in, in the day-to-day job? Are the centres saying they're affected. I guess they've got to stick to the government guidelines and all of that as well, but is there an actual effect on the numbers coming through, for example?
1: Yeah, so there was, initially when we had the first wave, there was there was a knee go and what do we do? There was, nobody knew. We were all in the same position, really. So, um, again, the government were pretty, you know, acted in, in, in their, their due diligence to set the guidelines out. So the first thing we were to do is to say to the centres, you have to adhere the guidelines. Uh, initially, all centres closed. I think there were have been one, that, Possibly remain open, but from my recollection, there was all of them closed. Okay, to safeguard all our, mm-hmm. our, um, our, our potential candidates. Okay, so that was initial reaction. So we we we, ma- we, we logged it all. So obviously th- these assessors have got to keep practicing as well. So we had to make a log of all these assessors who, who, who sort of were t- turned off, and then when they come back on system, and then one by one they sort of slowly operated. So the, the first one was when social distancing was is introduced, we opened the cent- the cent the centers open back up under the, the social distancing sort of structures and sanitization and, and the control measures under the government guidelines and all the, the risk assessments to compl- for compliance with that as well. Um, so many of the centres, and currently know, they, they are running at uh, reduced capacities. Um, but we, we've, yeah. we've managed to keep going. When the, the the sort of, after the first wave and the, the, the reductions came in, or the, uh, the, the sort of strict, were reduced, the strict reductions, we, we've managed to keep mm. going all the way through you know, assessments have, have, have gone on yeah. uh, in fair, fair play to the, the centres involved. A lot of the ones linked to, linked to colleges closed. A lot of the, the sort of privately funded ones have remained remained open, acting within them guidelines. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, it's really important that while learners are still trying to get through the training, that um, the centres are able to process them because, you know, a lot of them are still out at work. Um, you know, there's, there's a few that aren't, but lots of people still out doing the day job and they're progressing with their training. So to not have the end point assessment available would be a bit of a tragedy for them. So the fact you've managed to get those centres open and carry on is fantastic.
1: Yeah, but on that, when you say doing work, a lot of the apprentices you can imagine be, have uh, been furloughed as well. Uh, quite a month of, and I've heard you yeah. talking about it on previous podcasts, about the uh, being uh, furloughed. But what we've encountered, uh, sort of it, it has had an impact kind of thing on, 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 the, on the sort of potential um, success rates at the time uh, on, on the initial pass rate because the ones when we do our audits we also pick the phone up and speak to some of these candidates who've gone through the aim two assessment just to find out their experience and what they'd like to say about the, their experience at the centre and any feedback they may have for us um, and quite the few with the apprentices I've spoken to have actually relayed the fact that they were ill prepared because they they've been laid off for the last four five six months um, but told they had to go into the aim two because their apprenticeship was coming to the end date yes they were pretty much their hands were tied you've got to go in you you know you can't get time back on site now to practice you've got to go in and do that because um you know just to get the the sort of uh, assessment over the way so a lot of them quite a few were the apprentices i spoke to said that
0: yeah there's there's quite a few within apprentice one-to-one saying the same things that they haven't had access to lecturers at college they haven't access access to their employers out on site but they've still kind of been remotely pressing on with the training and then when you kind of presented with an AM2 endpoint assessment and you've had a year of not really using your skills, it can be a bit daunting. And it's, it's a hard task for them to kind of get yeah, through no in that situation. It, yeah. yeah um, so looking at the actual um, assessment point of AM2, there's, there's kind of three parties involved with all of that, isn't there? When you're going in towards putting yourself forward for doing it. Do you want to explain a little bit about that?
1: Which, are you talking about the checklist now or the, the, the personnel involved? Yeah, in the yeah, sorry.
0: The, yeah, yes. the, the, the checklist, sorry, yes. So, yes. I mean, yes. that's that's the thing that...
1: The, inten- the intention of the checklist is to ensure that anybody coming to the Dover Name AIM2 centre is prepared, okay? Uh, because historically, there's yes. so much I was, I'm not unprepared or I haven't had the experience. So, the checklist is there to say if got everybody involved in assessment. So, the, the the employer, the training provider and the apprentice as well Um and again, you yeah. know, they they, they all should they should sit around the table, tick them boxes honestly as possible to see if they're prepared. Whether there's any inadequacies identified by that apprentice, um, they should be extended onto the the sort of improve, room for improvement area or further training required. And that apprentice is not ready; they're deemed not ready for assessment. Um, there are a number of checklists. which I've seen it with inadequates on, uh, and they've just been put through for assessment and then when i picked the phone up and checked looked at the checklist and um spoken to the apprentice and i've said you know well i've got you was a um adequate in inspection and testing for instance or fault finding and they've they've they failed to complete either task um yeah, yeah. They, they just say well i don't know I, had, I i was i had to put adequate or this was filled in some have even said um i've never seen a checklist before
0: yeah, I mean, I've heard the same within apprentice one to one that they're kind of um, led towards filling the form in, shall we say, and in, in, in a way that's not perhaps truthful because you know there's an incentive for the colleges to get the learners through. Obviously, they get payments from government for when people complete the training. The employers as well, they want to see that that finished. So it doesn't seem that there's a lot of focus on the actual apprentice themselves in some situations. Oh, that's right. And they're the ones who are it down.
1: Yeah. But the checklist does work. You know, I'm not yeah. saying it, it does It works effectively in, in most cases. It's just the ones sort of I picked up on the, the, the ones who phoned me up and complained about the AIM2 maybe or appealed and I delved into an investigation as to why they failed and, and trying to help them out. Um, I have undercovered some 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 alarming findings within that kind of checklist where they're supposed to lead party to. So it's, the checklist is there and the checklist works effectively and it, it is, it, it, it does work on most occasions. It's just, where it's not honestly filled out, um, yes. it, shines through, it shines through on the end grade then, yeah?
0: Yeah, so the system itself works, so the checklist is a good thing. It's, it's doing what it needs to do, but when people abuse it, it kind of can let the apprentices down, which is fair enough. You'd sort of expect that, wouldn't you? And it's good that you're managing to pick that out and, and help these people who have um, been slightly misled, maybe by an employer or a college. So that's, that's good. Um, looking a bit further on into the assessment and content, what would um, an electrician's role be within all of that? So when when they're putting somebody forward to go into an assessment with AM2, what's their actual input into all of that with the apprentice? You're saying about sitting down and talking through the checklists and stuff. But one of the things within apprentice one-to-one that I'm hearing is that employers aren't giving the apprentices chance to practice some of these things. So they're not given chance to do inspection and testing. It's all right ticking the boxes and saying that they have. Um, do you think employers need to be a bit more open-minded perhaps to what they let like apprentices do out on site?
1: Yeah, 100%. This is, this is, um, this is an area of concern really regarding when we look at, you know, um, the sort of potential pass rates and areas of, of strengths and weaknesses within the assessment. Um, th- th- there's no great sort of surprised to find that that's probably one of the the, the lowest success rate is the fault finding uh, uh sorry fault finding and the inspect inspection and testing um i'll speak about them as one but again when the ones i've spoken to um on audit or, or after the assessment said they didn't they haven't had access or they've left it to the last three months or they've left it to the last bit and they don't get the time on the test meters the last time they done testing was at college or with it with the training providers and they haven't seen a tester since um, and they haven't that involvement. And and I think th- one of the things, the alarming things to me, Mark, is when I've interviewed some uh, um, apprentices and they've actually turned around and said, Well, I, I it was my intention to go into the AIM tool, pass the install, and then come back and do my te- test inspecting. And I've, I've been in centers when I've spoken to apprentices and I've been honest, honest, the whole, the, they, they've been honest in their approach and said, Well, I just wanted to get the build out of the way and then I'll construct my testing after, which. You know, yeah. I just it it, it, amaz- it amazes me really when I hear that being said. Um, so yes, to answer the question that the the electrician or the or the, the mentor or the lead electrician or the company employer has a massive impact a part to play in in, in allowing. under supervision of course. Um, but yeah, they have a massive part of that apprentices yeah. do need to play. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the things with Apprentice One-to-One where people are saying, obviously, with furlough and when you can't get into work, you can't get into work, can you? But more generally speaking, they were saying that, you know, they've not been given that opportunity, if you like. They're kind of left in one particular task or role, and then they're having to kind of pick bits of work out to show to their, their on-site assessor that they've done this particular work task. But it's not something that they've been shown or repeated repeatedly shown in a, in a way to do. And when we look at the electrical industry, there's that many different areas of it, and the end-point assessment is kind of trying to, prove that people are competent in those different areas so when you've got domestic commercial industrial and that's where the am2 is really important because it picks out the skills and abilities for people to go and do those roles because um, when you are in your in your final career you might spend maybe 10 years being a domestic electrician or working in a commercial environment but there's going to be points through your time where you're going to do all sorts of different things so the am2 is vital in, in evidence in that i think anyway
1: yeah, well, that is, if you look, think about it, and, and I'm certainly proud of achieved my aim too, and everybody who does it knows that they, they, they've deserved it when they've actually passed and earned that badge of honour. Um, and like you said, it's an all-round electrician. You can't just cater for it as, as, we, as we stand today. You're not just a domestic You're an all-round electrician who's party to all of that. Um, and, yeah, I think I, I've watched some, I think it was Adrian's um, sort of previous, uh, some, some of the material he's, re- he's, he's released it states there the importance of the employer in, engaging with that, that apprentice to give them the sort of training as well and, and access to what they need to pass the AM2, which was, which was quite good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it is. And, and AM2 is a fantastic thing when um, we're looking to increase skills and ability within the trade. Um, you know, sometimes people say it can be a barrier for um, older older people in the industry, for example, who perhaps haven't done an, an apprentice route to then come along and get their JRB gold guards, for example but there is still a route for them to do a version of the AM2, isn't there, available? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, are you speaking about the new the, the AM2E um, assessment? Yeah,
0: so if we could just talk about that, there's a few different versions of the AM2, actually, yeah. isn't there? If you can maybe explain the differences in Yeah, so areas. the
1: the, old, the original AM2, um, which was which was launched, um, didn't have the sort of... Uh, well, when I say the, the original, it goes back because we've gone through MI. They took out the MI, they took out the conduit, um, and then they were reintroduced then in the la- in the, the last revamp of the am2 so we now we, we have um, sort of uh, the am2s we have the containment in there as well but then a the different standard the original um I'm, I'm talking qualification numbers now sort of the two three five seven EAL 1605 version they didn't require the apprentices um, to, to sort of complete that containment version uh, so that they that was all pre-installed for them Um so with the AM2S, the new yes. standard, the apprenticeship standard, uh, w- which isn't applicable to Wales, it's just England, um, neither on on all the island. The 2s standard obviously con- contains the plus uh, condu- uh, PVC conduit and uh, um, the steel conduit as well in there. Uh,
0: okay. So and then we've
1: got sorry, we got the AM2E as well now, Mark, which is the experienced worker, which is is this it's the same sort of. Um, uh, as the aim 2s it's the same practical requirement.
0: Yeah. So there's it's exactly the same, but it's just for an experienced worker. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But they've got okay. to be on they've okay. got to be on a qualification. They can't just with the aim to or the the old um experienced worker, they could just get up they could apply for an aim two assessment prior to any qualifications, anything you could just rock off the street and just apply to do an aim two.
0: Okay. So now you have to actually
1: yeah no, so what we got now we've got a, a within the, the new AM2E they've got to be registered on a qualification, or working towards the 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 AM 2 e for that qualification, ah. the experienced
0: worker. Okay, and it's that kind of? And you can always look at the we've... test
1: the test. The test website shows clearly shows a the route uh, end for the the experienced workers.
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've seen on there recently. Actually, they've got some great stuff on there. So that is a good shout to go and check that out. And I'll link that in the description to this video as well. So I'll pop links into um, NET and um, TESS and the JRB as well. So people can go off and see all the different um, advice that there is relating to that. Yeah. Um, so we're saying that AM2 now has been in existence for 30 years. It's something that industry is quite familiar with. It's been um, in operation for a, for a long, long time now. Do you feel that... Um, coronavirus has, has it affected the pass rate of people coming through do you have that data within net to say that there has been a, a difference and if, if there is what would you attribute that to is it for all the reasons we've just discussed or do you think there's another reason buried yeah, in um, there somewhere
1: well it's a bit of a hot potato at the moment this, uh, the, the pass rates because um, there's been some recent criticism of pass rates on social media uh, linking it to a, a 7% pass rate which is quite uh, which was quite alarming but um, yeah, that, that, the information on that sort of um, social media link was incorrect. Um, the, the pass rate will, will alter on a day-to-day basis, on a weekly basis really, as and when, because you can imagine that the number of assessments going through on a day-to-day basis, that, 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 assess, that, that assessment pass rate will fluctuate, okay? So at the moment, you know, it can be anything from 32%, 42%. So we run in about 40, 40% average pass rate as of probably this morning or the last check today, see? So that'll, that'll vary on a day-to-day basis. With with the, the only thing which which I said earlier would impact it slightly was um, some of the apprentices failing. They were coming back from furlough and just were, were unprepared for that assessment, and that did it. But certain certain centres, some it didn't affect, but then that na- feeds into the national password which brings it down a bit. Um, not all, not all, yeah. of the, all of the apprentices, but some were even put in to do it on furlough. Um,
0: yeah, you'd, you'd expect to see an effect, wouldn't you? I mean, that's just going to be the circumstances we're yeah. all in. There would have to be some some kind of effect. But if you're saying that, generally speaking, that the, the pass rate is around 40%, you know, that's actually encouraging to me that it, it shows people can, can attain it. It shows it's achievable. But equally, if you're not at that level, then you're not going to be getting through and, and uh, passing. Um, I mean, that's another accusation that people have towards the test centres, that you know they failed because the assessor doesn't like them, for example. I mean, you've spoken to me off air about this already, and we know that that's not actually possible. So do you just want to explain the process of how these things yeah, are assessed? Yeah, are? of course,
1: yeah. With without, with, with, the, with the sort of rigorous systems in place, you know, we we, we sort of come under regulation and we have to be seen, given a fair assessment. And what part of my role as an IQE is to quality assure um, these assessments, along with um, four of the colleagues in Net or five now, uh, we've grown as a team. Um, all of these, every single one of these assessments is accountable. So... As if they, if they, if they, just to give you an insight of what goes on, the assessor is, is, is marking the assessment on an iPad. So if that assessor, any assessor clicks no, they have to take photographic evidence of that no. So they're going to justify the no. It's not just a case of putting no. Yes. This. And be, a lot of the factors, a lot of the installer are taking pictures of where, where we've got a no criteria. All the test paperwork, uh, the risk assessments are all sort of photographed as well in, in that aspect. So what happens then? The, 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 they upload then the assessment onto the net net uh, portal and then all of them assessments are actually second graded second marked for instance moderated um so i will i will be allocated x among the centers moderation a colleague of mine will moderate so nothing really goes through the network until it's been second assessed second marked by us as well um that's across the board you know um so w- when we hear things like oh that assessor didn't like me or that you go to that center and you fail it's it's really you know it's, it's difficult getting one sort of Feelings when um, we know, I know what goes, beyond, what goes on behind the scenes. You know? I'm being party to the AIM2 myself as an apprentice. I'm one of the ones, the advocates to keep the standard and the other guys who were involved in NET as well um, have all gone through that rigour uh, process. So they, they, we're all in it for the right reasons and because we believe in it. We're passionate about what we do and we're not in it to see anybody fail or pass. We want to give everybody a fair as possible assessment um, and, and for the integrity of the AIM2 and for NET.
0: Of the industry, yeah, no, of, also. Course. of course. And, and that's just good to get that knowledge out there to, to people because, you know, like you get these tales in the industry that can build up. And like you say, this particular centre is just looking to, to fail you and then charge you again for taking the assessment again. And you're saying that, you know, that's not actually possible. It's, it's all done correctly. It's been um, moderated. So everyone's getting a fair assessment wherever they take it. Um, and I'm sure all your centres are vetted and um, you know, upholding the highest standards possible to ensure that these people coming through on AM2 are given a fair crack at passing their assessment. But equally, if they're not at that level yet, then they're, they're not going to be passing. You know, that's what everyone in the industry would want to see and expect.
1: Yeah, and it, it is, you know, that's, that's what goes on with, you know, even th- we've kept centres going through uh, through the pandemic. Um, we've even managed to bring on uh, additional centres during the pandemic in a new, new, new net. Uh, assessment centers which has been a difficult task but we've managed to do that uh, i think we have managed to bring about eight centers really? on since the first wave yeah so it's, oh well, that's uh, yeah.
0: incredible i mean you know that's, that's really good news actually isn't it that you're, you're managing to grow the network available yeah. to people because good. that's an issue is traveling to some of these centers
1: well traveling and and also we've got to accommodate the industry as well we in all the increase in apprenticeships and um, and backlogs etc you know that's we, we've got to, we've got to counteract that. So the last thing we want is is apprentices turning around saying, "I've got nowhere to go to do my um, to do my aim two and I need my qualification." Well, we're doing everything as possible that we can to actually keep the net keep net going uh, and and for these apprentices to be able to conduct their assessment as well.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. And like you say, there will be a backlog of people coming through, and hopefully, as we move along in time over the next few years. We have a bigger number of apprentices coming through into the electrical industry. We'd all like to see that. And if that is the case, then you're going to probably need I, more centres yeah, still. Yeah, I
1: think we've grown. We've grown. Um, I've been involved in that uh, uh, since April uh, 2019. And there was twenty uh, sorry, 27 centres, I think is, we're up to 47 now. So we, we've got this nearly 10, 10 centres average in a year coming on board. And there's, there's more. There's more centres right. in application now as as we speak. So we're up to forty-seven, with a possible fifty by hopefully by the end of the year.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. And just to pull back onto the, the marking a little bit of these assessments. So we're saying about um, when when an assessor's marking, they're not really doing it based on um, an opinion. It's just a, a yes or no against a series of questions about the work, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I think if if you speak to any assessor involved in the the, the assessment, they tell you it's probably the most uh, objective marking system they've ever come across. There's no grey areas. There's no sort of subjectiveness in the marking. Is it my opinion? It's not opinion. It's not a matter of opinions. Is it right? Yes or no? Um, It's an an excellent system. uh, And I'll say so myself. I've been seeing other systems uh, on marking. There is no no room for error within that system. So it's either right or it's wrong. Um, Very, very strict. Um, and like I said, if we do pick up an audit and we find an uh, uh, an assessor marking error, we can just dial into the system, connect it to the system. We can amend that marking criteria from a yes to a no. Uh, we'll also pick up the yeah. phone to that assessor and we'll explain where they've gone wrong uh, and we'll have a chat about it. Really, it's about it's about improving them as well. So you know, we're all human beings at the end of the day. We all we all miss things. And so you know, I'm not saying they're faultless, but we have we have the ability then to just assist in any any errors we've identified. Where we we can amend. Yeah. Again, we go back to that point We we weren't ever going to have a full, a full, fair assessment, really, of uh, of, this, of the AIM2 or aim us
0: Yes, I mean, it's fully independent, isn't it? And you can only assess what people are doing on the day. Um, you know, it's not going to be based on your opinion of how someone's dressed or their attitude, for example. It's purely their skills on the day that are under assessment. And, you know, that's fantastic to hear because you do, you do hear these rumours, and we've just mentioned it before, that, that this centre <laughs> fails everyone or... Uh, Nobody passes in that centre and it is just industry rumours and it's important that these are addressed Um, so people have the confidence that they know where they're taking their test, wherever it is in the country, they're going to get that fair assessment based on anyone else, wherever they are as well. So fantastic.
1: Yeah, and it is, like you said, um, how they perform on that day, it is uh, how they perform, Um, so where someone does fail. I mean, one tenth the ten it is because they failed. You know, they they have met the criteria in whichever area they've gone down on.
0: Yeah, and that's fair enough. One of the questions that comes in actually to apprentice one to one is kind of how people can best prepare for AM two. And I know it involves the, the checklist primarily, and working with your employers and and the lecturers as well at, at college, and your assessor. I mean, do you have any tips for apprentices? Because there will be quite a few watching this um, as someone from that of what they can do, where they can maybe go to to develop their learning and knowledge to prepare for it um, at the, in the present climate, especially. Yeah.
1: But obviously their own preparation is key. Okay. So, um, we don't, we don't sort of endorse any sort of, um, sort of, uh, pre- AM2 preparations throughout the UK. NET does not endorse anything. So we ta- we, anybody, anytime we are contacted regarding, um, preparation, we always point them to the NET website. We've invested heavily in the last yeah. two years, 18 months to two years on, on some really good pr- preparation material without going over the, over the boundaries of what we can give away. Um, there's some really good explanations on there uh, regarding what we do and top tips, for instance. Um, you know, there's some really good stuff on there. Um, j- just follow and read, it, read the specification when you get into the centres. A number of uh, uh, apprentices who, who, who we find got, who have failed at certain areas, they just fail to read the specification. And un- you know, yeah. they rush in the nerves, I mean, get the better of them. It's just read the specification uh, on, on there, you know. Um, but we've got the stuff on the website, the, the, the pre assessment manual now, which again, Adrian done what I noticed Adrian done a a, a, a video on the pre assessment uh, manual. In fairness, you know, I watched that myself th- thinking what's going on, you know, how, how's it gone? And it couldn't be no clearer. Follow the assessment manual, follow the mm. pre assessment manual, it tells you everything in there. You know, there's nothing, there's no hidden agenda within there. Um, you know, again the checklist, the videos. Um yeah, and it's the buy-in of the training provider as well to make it to help you along the journey. You know, these guys are going through an MBQ potentially before they come to the centre. have also on the aim 2s they would achieved the, the initial verification. They've also achieved the eighteenth the edition regs. So some of these apprentices you you know, you wouldn't think they got inspection testing under their belt or they've achieved an MBQ in inspection testing. That's the, that's the can
0: that's the concern yeah. for many of us. That's good talking about that for, from a learner's point of view. And you are right that it is kind of on them. They need to be going off to the, the NET website and seeing exactly what's involved. Some of the um, advice on there is going to be invaluable. It's believing in your own training and your experience. If you don't feel like you're ready for taking that assessment, then you need to be speaking with your lecturers and your employers to get that um, experience and knowledge so you're ready for it. And it is that whole three-person three process to make sure you are ready to complete the checklist properly. Um, so yeah i wouldn't expect you to be telling people how to pass these assessments that would kind of defeat the object wasn't it if it was a how to steps one to ten of how you can pass your am2 that's not going to ensure quality of anything so i totally get that um you know that's 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 fine
1: and, and the other the other important bit at the end uh, to on all that subject is the fact that net is the net is the official place to go for your documents there's lots of information out there on the internet okay on, on the web um you can find lots of different people over then things um but the currency of the documentation can only be guaranteed when they download it from the net website because we we as a team standardize on a monthly basis. So if we see something glitch in one of the, the documentations or um, you know, it within the specification, the standards of the guidance or whatever, we'll tweak that on a monthly basis. So it's important for the apprentices in preparation to do that, always to signpost them to the net website because that's where the, the sort of documentation will be and it's current. I wouldn't want anybody to go into assessment and and something's changed within the the candidate manual and they haven't been informed of that uh, until on the day of the set. So always go, always signpost yourself to the net website to download that material and the the pre-assessment stuff and the videos.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And I will, I'll pop a link to that into the description as well and people can go over and and have a look at that and I will um, do a little article around that as well. So in terms of, feedback to net after someone's done an assessment is there a process that they can go through to to give you guys feedback on their experience of taking an AMT yeah, 2 assessment what
1: we do we've got um we use a company uh, to conduct the the feedback for us so they will have a ping to the mobile phone or the device um tablet or whatever they're using and then that, that that'll ask them the experience of that center is specific to that center and how the experience has gone with feedback on, on tools equipment uh, anything, anything really relevant to that assessment. So they'll have an opportunity then to feedback in. Uh, we review that, we review that date, uh, we, we review that t, uh, data on a quarterly basis, um, and then take the relevant actions if it's negative or positive with that centre. So they, they're always sort of kind of with ahead of the game really. Then in, in any sort of major concerns we have within the assessment. So again, you know, the best people to find out of uh, how the centre's performing is the candidates. Are uh, the apprentices are attending? So, if if there's any glaring errors in that centre or anything going, you know, we need to know. about, we'll address that when we read the, the information from that uh, feedback. And the, the data is, is second to none, really, across the board. Uh, what it asks, so it's, we're able to use that information and go, to go forward. Um, regarding other feedback, specific feedback. Um, on the grades and, and the results you know what well, we we are currently working on improving our systems on on the feedback as well what the what the candidates can and what they can't be told because obviously we've got to contain this gold standard appre- uh, um, sort of t- uh, assessment within if we were to feedback on every single apprenticeship it'll all be over the internet within no time i should imagine the power of social media these days there'll be a hub there or there'll be some kind of chat room on of am2 and the, every single feedback will be shared and there'll be a sort of step-by-step out to complete the thing two guide so we are yeah, so we're aware right. of that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's out there, you know, so we've got to be careful in actually what details we actually share. It is something we are working on at the moment. It's a lot of feedback we get. It's uh, the apprentices we speak to. They say, I wish I could have a bit more feedback and stuff. So we are working with them. We do give feedback uh, in a sense, but we are working on improvements on our feedback.
0: No, it's good. It sounds like you're quite engaged with industry in the centres and the, centers and the um, candidates as well. And that's important that you're listening to all these viewpoints and trying to evolve and make things better if you can. I mean, that's sometimes something that I've had people say that it's quite a closed shop and and it doesn't seem the case to me. So I think it's important to get out there that you are trying your absolute best to ensure there's a high quality endpoint assessment for people to go on. There's lots of centers available for them to go and and take it in. Um, So to full credit to you, you know, I'm a big fan of the AM2. I think it's a fantastic thing. So I was going to say if, um, You've got any advice in general from other sources um, that people can maybe go to for AM two? Is the stuff that's relevant, or is it all kind of out of date? Or are we just sticking with with nets That's the only official source where you're going to get the right guidance. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah From from a Net Net perspective, yeah, you know, there are, there are obviously you've identified some which are good good sort of resource, but from our point of view, we it's, it's Net Net official documentation. Use the new use the. Um, use the the, the net centre finder as well because a lot of people just use their local centre because they think that's the only one available to them. Just put your postcode, go, go to the net finder. Yeah. There's, there's 47 centres now available to uh, to apprentices and uh, and, and uh, mature candidates wishing to do assessment. So you're not fixated to your local area. If there's nothing available in that area, you can go outside your area and do it. So you're not, you know, we, we, this is one of the messages we need to get out there. You haven't got to go to your local centre. Just go wherever's available. And I know there are centres which... Which, which, which are looking for um, assessments uh, to fulfill their week. And then others are saying, I'm busy, I can't do it. So just go on the centre, find the centre.
0: That's a fantastic tip. And that's on the NET website, isn't it? So people can go in yeah, yeah. And, and have a search on there. And if you're finding that the local centres um, maybe not open or they're just full with people, you can travel a little bit further and get that assessment taken somewhere else. So that's a that's a really good tip, actually. And again, that'll be linked in the description to the video, and you can go off and take a look at that. Um, speaking more personally about kind of the apprenticeship as as a as a whole, um, Darren, do you think that we've still got a, a vibrant apprenticeship system out there for people to kind of work through? Because there is kind of industry accusations if you like. This isn't speaking about the AM2, this is just more generally that you know the, that it's kind of been devalued through time, and that some of the people coming through now. Don't have the right skills and ability. It, it, I'm trying to get a more positive message out there that that's not the case. It's certainly not the case from the people I'm speaking to. So, what do what do you see it? How do you see it?
1: Uh, well, on the previous sort of podcast, I've picked on some of the picked up on some of the, the, the vibes from there. Um, we've talked about employer involvement, uh, engaging with the apprentice more to give them that sort of set up to come into M two, uh, and and they they are a key they are a key player in that. Um, what I'm finding, and obviously I used to be an EV with EAL as well, what, what I do find is, 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 uh, and I've heard it branded, the, the attainment. This word attainment is quite a strong word in achievement. So I think we're driven by funding and we're driven by attainment these days of, of completion of apprenticeships. So maybe that apprentice isn't ready, but the apprentice has got no choice. So I, I truly yeah. believe we're driven by rather attainment rather than quality of that apprentice at that moment in time. Some people learn at different rates. Yeah. Some people will be quicker learning, some people will be longer. But we're all driven by this key key dates and, and completion dates. And sometimes that can add pressure to that apprentice to you know, and it, it has a knock-on effect as well. Um so yeah, I think it's the the word attainment is is, is branded around a lot. I think we just need to understand what you can achieve in that in that time and what everybody's different now, Mark. So that's one of my concerns is we we're we we're more meeting a timely completion date rather than a, a learning journey which is going to get us to the sort of utopia of our trade. Um, so, that, that's, so that's probably the
0: most diplomatic action yeah, to did with that team. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. And, you know, you are right that, you know, that it is about getting that quality there and it could take longer than is perhaps the industry norms for some people. And that's not a bad thing. You know, it's just the way, different way people learn and the circumstances they're in. So, you know, where we do have these time pressures, especially where colleges have got to hit certain markers to, to get the funding from government, you know, that does play a part. We know it does. I think that hopefully as time moves along and we can maybe tweak some of these things for the better i certainly think there might be some more investment from government in apprenticeships as we move out of coronavirus it looks like they're going to focus on that which is a great thing i i think that if we're ready as industry to kind of embrace that and and work with it that we could do really well as an electrical trade with all the new areas of work we've got built up to do with electric vehicles and um the fact that gas heating is going to be removed from domestic properties for example that's just two things yeah. Electricians are going to be in great demand, so I think we need to get our house in order as best we can, and um, try and allocate some of this funding in the best way possible. And uh, having a good endpoint assessment alongside a five-point-three-year apprenticeship is key to all of that.
1: I agree. I think we're on the same sort of uh, same sort of school, and I agree with all of them sentiments. I, I agree exactly what you're saying. Um, it's 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 there. It is the badge of honour at the end of the day. The 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 endpoint assessment or the aim two aim two S whichever you decide to go down is 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 the badge of all, it's it's trying to contain it all you know how do we go around it how do we how do we achieve that so I think it's the it's the gauge it's it's the actual measurement of of competence for all really isn't it you know what, what, like I said earlier you know once you've done that aim two you feel as if you've achieved something at the end of it it's quite rewarding
0: um, yeah no hundred percent it is it was a really proud moment for lots of people and it and it should be it should be. Um, Speaking more generally, this is a couple of the questions that the apprentices asked. I, when I started this podcast, I asked them for a few questions. And, and one of the key ones is, um, what kind of tools would you recommend people to to get? And it's not a brand, it's kind of a set um, of a basic hand tool. So when you first started out as a 12-year-old, 16-year-old, whatever it was, and you were going off working on a weekend, what was you thinking of, or what would you be thinking of today to get in that little kit to give yourself a chance of attracting an employer to give you a bit of experience? you know what what kind of stuff would you be, would you be suggesting
1: mark i'm not one for gadgets um, I, I know we spoke off air about it um <laughs> i think my best investment ever i made or well, well, best move i made was ditching my 110 volt transformer on my drill and by purchasing my old my 28 volt or uh, 24 volt D-Walt SDS drill and it we still me. that was probably 10 15 years ago and that's probably the best tool i've ever bought actually um, but there's there's you lots know, that's of cons now the re the recip saws, uh, especially on the the, the cutting the floorboards and stuff, was always a like, nightmare. Now, now I'd always be you now I still do today. Use the the bolts, the boats and an armor to sort of get through the tongue and grooves. Uh, recip saws I find excellent. The multi tools are brilliant. You know, there's so much fantastic stuff. The rods, the magnetic rods, I've used. You know, they they, they just make the make the job so much easier in, in in all in all walks of life. Yeah, So Probably
0: if have had a yeah, choice, that's it with a DJ. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. The best purchase I've made is my drill, obviously, but um, yeah, probably a multi tool. Uh, the the Recipe saw for cutting the, the tongues and stuff, really good.
0: That's a really good show, actually, and nobody said that so far. So if you're not familiar with that, the oscillating saws, um, they're fantastic if, you, if you're cutting up floorboards, especially because plum, plumbers tend to leave the pipes right near the top. Just to be a pain in the backside and catch the sparks out when you've got your cephalosaur out or the saw and you go through one. So if you've got a little multi-tool, they're brilliant because you're not going to go through any pipes with one of those, um, or not without being a bit heavy-handed anyway. Yeah. So good shout there, and I like that actually. That's that's a nice one for apprentices to look out for. Uh, I want to thank you actually for coming on. I know we've had a a, a good setup getting this organised. You've put a lot of time into preparing um, a podcast with me on this one. So thank you for doing that. And thanks to Net for agreeing to come on and chat on my podcast. Because I know you don't do things like this um, historically speaking, so it is quite a. I'm quite privileged that you've agreed to come on and talk with me. So thank you very much for the effort and time you've put in on a personal level, and I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure, and um, keep up the good work. You know it, what what you do, and it's a, from a personal point of view, and from a Net point of view, in promoting the apprenticeship, uh, apprenticeships. The time you put in outside of your running your own business, um, you know, it hasn't gone un- gone unnoticed in the industry. I don't think overall, you know, you see the the followers you've gathered along the way on on um, LinkedIn and on Twitter and and the, and the YouTube channel. I think you know you're doing a great job. Really, keep it up. The industry needs people like yourself. Uh,
0: no, thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. And as you, as people will see, I'm actually away in a hotel today, so apologies if the Wi-Fi's been a bit sketchy. I'm working out of my normal area for a few days. I'm still trying to keep up with the podcasts. And I wasn't going to miss up the chance to speak with Darren and Nett. So thanks again for coming on. I'll pop a, a link in the description to the Net stuff. I'll um, put some further details on Darren as well. If you're on LinkedIn, I think you can find um, Darren on there. I think you've seen you lurking in LinkedIn. Are you on any of the social media platforms or is it just over on there primarily if anyone wants to reach out to you? Yeah. No, just,
1: just LinkedIn primarily.
0: Yeah. use yeah. yeah. Okay. Grand stuff. Grand stuff. So, now thanks again for taking the time Darren. I'm going to end the recording here on the podcast. You've been an absolute star and I hope people find this as useful as I have. Um, you know, thanks very much. Cheers, Mark. Thank you.